your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And for those who might be here for the first time on Sunday nights, we're doing character studies. And we're doing a study on the character of Lot. And uh, tonight's title is The Destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the ungodly behavior <clears throat> that was displayed by the men of Sodom, the homosexuals there in Sodom and Gomorrah, was stopped by Lot's two heavenly visitors. And the two angels made a very serious declaration about Sodom's future. Let's look now at chapter 19 with verses, uh, beginning with verse 12 and, uh, through, through 13. I'm sorry, 14. It says, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and the men he's talking about here are the two angels. And whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law... He seemed to be, to be joking. So the end has come now for Sodom. <clears throat> and from this point on, Sodom will only be history. And within about 12 hours or so, Sodom's going to be totally wiped out, buried under the Dead Sea. Earlier in the day, the Lord told Abraham about Sodom's destruction. Now Lot, Abraham's nephew, would be told about Sodom's destruction. But each one, Abraham and Lot, they were told in very different ways and under very different circumstances. Abraham was told about Sodom's demise in a calm, quiet manner under calm and quiet circumstances. But Lot, on the other hand, he's told about Sodom's destruction in a very urgent and stern way and in the midst of very chaotic circumstances. Abraham was told about the coming destruction in a merciful roundabout way. But Lot was told in a jolting and straightforward way. And the difference between the two ways is a clear reflection of their lifestyles. Abraham's affections were set on things above, while Lot's affections were set on the things below. So you see, here's the point. It makes a big difference where your affections are in how God speaks to you. And the reason that Sodom was destroyed wasn't just to make a way uh, uh, for building a new and improved city. Its destruction was, wasn't like the tearing down of an old building or stadium to make room for a bigger and better one. The angels made it very clear that the city was going to be destroyed because of their sin. The angels said because of the outcry against them, in other words, that is because of the anguish of men. The word anguish is a part of sin. Anguish is translated from the word outcry here, meaning to call out for help under great distress. So the people of the city were calling out to God in great distress because of what the men of Sodom were doing. So the word outcry speaks of the cruelty of the sin in Sodom. Sodom's sins caused an outcry of anguish, suffering before God. And we see this outcry of anguish in other places in the Bible as well. Remember, God described Cain's sin in the same way. God said to Cain in Genesis 4.10, The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. James chapter 5, 
Verse 4 says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. You see, we still haven't learned the deception of sin. Sin's deception is that it wants to be known as something that brings good times and pleasure, but it doesn't. You know, Satan lies to you about sin. He says, do it, man. It's going it's, it's, it's to be a blast. It's going to be a, a pleasure, man. It's going to be a good time. Hey, go for it. Sin lies to you. Sin lies to you because sin comes from Satan. And the Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies in John 8, 44. Sin does not produce anything of real joy and peace. Sin doesn't bless. It only curses. It brings a lot of suffering, a lot of sorrow and distress and loss to both the sinner and those that are around them. Sin does just the opposite of what it says it's going to do. It says, hey, man, I'm going to bring you a lot of pleasure. But then when it's over, a lot of people suffer as a result of sin. Get high, get drunk. Go have illicit sex. It's all going to be wonderful until you become an alcoholic and a drug addict. And now you've, you, you, know, you, you've, you brought a child into the world that, that you don't want. Again, sin doesn't promise you good, good, good things. It, it promises you, or it doesn't even tell you, it's going to bring about the opposite. Think about it. If Cain's brother's blood cried out from the ground, how much crying God must hear from all kinds of, of sin, of drugs and alcohol, abortion, crime, violence, murders, all manner of sex sins. But still, in their moral and spiritual stupidity, our lawmakers and our courts, federal and governments, are, are continually encouraging sin more and more by passing laws that encourage more sin rather than deterring it. You can't hide sin. And especially from God. All through scripture, we're often reminded about God's total awareness of all of our behavior. He sees everything that we do. He hears every wicked thought in our mind. In Jeremiah 16, verse 17, God says, My eyes are, all, are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. We're foolish to think that God doesn't see what we do. Psalm 139, verse 2, the psalm said, You understand my thought afar off. And Ezekiel 11, 5, it says that God says, I know the things that come into your mind. You see, God is aware of our behavior. He's aware of our thoughts. That should be a warning to us. That he sees and he hears everything. It should be a warning to the wicked as well as great encouragement to the righteous. Because many times the righteous behavior of the righteous man or woman isn't noticed or recognized by a man, by man. And that's why the righteous can become discouraged. The righteous can start to, to wander from God's ways if they think that, that, that God doesn't pay uh, attention you know, to the godly as they're living for him. You know, we see that in the case of Asaph. In Psalm uh, 73, verses 1 through 3, let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Asaph, you know, he said, truly God is good to Israel. In other words, he's saying, you know, God is so good to everybody else in Israel. He says, he's good to those whose hearts are pure. He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. 
My feet were slipping. See, he was backsliding. He said, I was almost gone. Here's why. Because I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. And you know what? Don't we feel like that sometimes? Lord, look at these people, man. They're, they're living like dogs, man. They're, they're, they're living a corrupt life, and, and everything is good for them. I've been serving you. I've been walking with you. I've been reading the scriptures, and man, I am having the most difficult times in my life. And like Asaph, we think, Lord, am I serving you for nothing? And then when you get to the end of, of Psalm 30, 73, Asaph says, oh, and then I went into the sanctuary of God. He says, and I saw their end. He says, I saw how they end up. Those who live in sin and practice sin, I saw how they end up. And we know how they end up. The Bible tells us. In hell. And the man and woman that does good, even though, and, and they're struggling all through their life, but they're doing good. They're doing as God has, has called them to do. They end up in heaven. So we might spend a lifetime of, of difficulty here in this life living for God. But we spend an eternity in heaven versus those who are living for Satan, enjoying their, their, their so-called time here on earth for a lifetime, but then they spend eternity in hell. I'd rather spend eternity in heaven and have a rough time here than eternity in hell and enjoy good times here. But you see, when the all-knowing God is involved in the situation, our situation, it encourages the righteous Knowing he's involved, knowing he sees, knowing he, he knows what I'm doing. So he helps the righteous by helping them to realize that God sees everything that they do. Even if you're doing it in the most obscure places. If you're serving God in some you know, out-of-the-way places where nobody sees you, God sees you. And that's who I want to see what I do. I want, to see, I, I want, to, I want God to see me. I don't care about anybody else. So that helps us to realize that even if I'm serving him in the most out of, you know, darkest places of the world, and nobody sees me, the day is going to come when he is going to give me the recognition, you know, that, that, that you know, all of my godly living, you know, whether man sees it or not, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, being in the spotlight doesn't make your behavior any more visible to God than being in some unknown faraway place. And there was a job to do that was included in God's declaration to Lot here. When he told Lot he was going to destroy Sodom, there was also something that he wanted God to do in this declaration. And that commission was pretty obvious. It was the first thing that the angel said in God's declaration against Sodom. So Lot was told what he had to do by his two angel guests in verse 12. Notice what he says in verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in this city? Notice, take them out of this place. So he was told that, Lot, that Sodom was going to be destroyed, but he told them to get them out of this place. So there was a commission in there for Lot, as well as a declaration that the city was going to be destroyed. Lot was told what he had to do, though, before he was told why he had to do it. Now, this tells us that sometimes God tells us what to do before he tells us why we have to do it. We don't like that. 
Many times when we're given our orders, there's plenty of time to get it done, but not here in Lot's case. And many times this is what tests our faith. Because many times when God tells us what to do, you know, we act like children. Why, God? Why do I have to do that? Why do you want me to go there? What's the purpose of it? But God doesn't have to tell us why to make what he's asking us to do legitimate. Because God gives the orders, that's enough to make us get going. God is God. And we're to bow to every order that he gives no matter what it is. You see, he wants us to trust him for who he is. And that's where our faith comes in. And knowing that our God is a God of wisdom, that should encourage us to obey His orders, whether we know why we're getting these orders or not. Look at verse 14 again. It says, So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, because the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. Divine revelation always has a purpose. And it has a human application. In other words, it will apply to us to be applied to one's behavior. The angels weren't giving Lot this information just so that he'd have more information about Sodom's destruction. The message to Lot was given for the directing of of Lot's life. He's being told about the soon coming destruction of Sodom so he could tell others, hey, you guys need to escape. Just like what Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. He said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, in other words, therefore, in light of what he just said, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Peter said, hey, This world is going to disappear. It's going to go away. It's going to pass away with a great noise. The elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. The works of it are going to be burned up. So knowing that, how should you be living your life? You see, with the declaration of what's going to happen, there's there's an application. What are you going to do now with your life? In Peter's message about the earth's future destruction, there's a purpose for it. For people who live godly lives. And the angel's announcement about Sodom included the message part of Lot's commission. It's the same for those who who proclaim the gospel. Like those who proclaim the gospel to proclaim also a saving message to a condemned people. So, So did Lot's message. Lot's message in verse 14 was, Lot, get up, get out of this place because the Lord's going to destroy this place. And that message came with authority. The two angels told Lot that they had been sent by God to destroy Sodom. This wasn't some message that Lot came up with. It was God's word delivered to him by two angels. So it had authority. It had the backing of God. It's the same truth about the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. It's not, the gospel is not man's message. And those who proclaim the message have no permission or authority to change it however they see fit. We either speak it as God gives it to us in His Word, or else we are false ministers. Jeremiah said in chapter 26, verse 2, Thus says the Lord, 
Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words, notice, all the words that I command you to speak to them, do not diminish a word. And the word diminish means to scrape off. By implication, it means to shave, to remove, to lessen, to withhold. So what Jeremiah is saying here, he says, do not shave off any of those, do not remove it, do not lessen it, do not withhold any word from the people that I've given you to tell them. And we need to be sure that when we are declaring God's word, we declare it word for word in truth at all times. If we want to proclaim a message that can help save men's souls. Lot's message was about judgment. Because, Lot's, because Lot said, the Lord will destroy the city. Now, there's three things about this judgment part of Lot's message. First, it was informative. It was telling Lot something. It was giving Lot some information. This announcement of judgment was informative regarding the end of all sin and the degree of Sodom's sin. The announcement of judgment tells us that sin always ends in judgment. Sin always ends in judgment. Sodom had given itself to the pleasures of sin, but now they're going to find out that sin always ends in judgment. And the pleasures of sin are only at the beginning. Remember that. The pleasures of sin are only at the beginning and not the end. Satan never tells you how it's going to end up. When a man or woman is playing around with some sin, they need to check out how it could end for them, not what the beginning of it is like. Because the end is what lasts for eternity. The beginning is what lasts only for a time, for a season. And remember, a few minutes of pleasure can result in a lifetime of misery. So the announcement of the judgment that God was bringing, it tells us that Sodom's sin was so extensive, it was so far wide reaching in practice and pollution that, that, that Sodom would be destroyed. I mean, think of it, that's a serious sentence. That's big time judgment. And with judgment that severe, it tells us something about the great sinfulness of homosexuality and the main reason that Sodom was destroyed. God punishes with justice that is he's fair in his punishment because he knows all things he knows all things so his his judgment is fair so when god brings severe judgment the sin is serious to destroy a whole city like god did is enough warning for men today to put an end to their lenient attitudes about the sin of homosexuality the second thing that we see here in the announcement, that it was needed for the validity, in other words, to prove that, that what Lot was asked to do was of God. Sodom's sin was so widespread in practice that it corrupted the city. And if Lot didn't have this judgment in his message, he wouldn't have had any, any reason to carry out his commission. If there is no doom... You know, if the city wasn't going to be destroyed, there was no need to tell the people to, to, that they need to escape and to be delivered from the doom. People complain when judgment is preached because it's so negative. But negative is not the same as bad. Sometimes we need to hear the negative. Negative is often good. Negative preaching is very necessary if sin is to be stopped 
and for men to be saved from the evil consequences of their sin. And if we don't preach divine judgment, and if we don't preach that God does, divide, uh, d- does judge sin, then we don't have any reason for preaching salvation. Before people, are, you know, before people are going to cry to Jesus to be saved, they have to first realize they need to be saved. The third important thing about the, uh, uh, this announcement was the announcement... The announcing judgment is hard. Preaching judgment is probably the hardest part of the message to deliver. Hey, it would have been a lot easier for Lot to have spoken a a, a nice message to his son-in-laws about good things, guys. Hey, good things are coming to Sodom. They would have been a lot more open to what Lot had to say. They would have thought more highly uh, of Lot. But you see, delivering a message of judgment turned them off and made them think poorly of Lot. A message of judgment is the hardest kind of message to give because it angers the listeners the most against the the ones that's delivering the message. You see, people want to hear good stuff. They want to hear a soft, comforting, soothing message. They don't want to hear something that upsets them. They don't want to hear that they're sinners that, that, that need to be saved that Jesus died for their sins? They want to hear, oh, you know what? You guys are good. All people are good people. You know what? And you're going to be okay. Everybody's going to go to heaven. And God, God understands your frame, that you're weak. And you, No, uh-uh. he made a way. He made a way to have and get victory over sin and to live a godly life. Through his son, Jesus Christ. If your message doesn't agree with their ideas, oh man, they get really angry towards you. So a lot of courage is needed to faithfully deliver a message of judgment. But Lot's message wasn't a judgment, message of judgment without hope. And that's the neat thing too. God, God's word gives us a message of judgment, but there's hope involved as well. Lot's message gave the people a way to escape God's judgment. But you see, we have to make sure that that the message gives only one way of escape. Lot didn't tell the people of Sodom, hey man, there there, there are several ways uh, that that you can choose from to escape God's judgment. He didn't say, hey yeah, you guys, you know, you go five miles out of town, or hey, you build you a, 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 you know, a, a dungeon or a bomb shelter and and you know you'll be okay there he said get up get out of this place again he didn't tell them to build an an underground shelter or anything else he gave them only one way to be saved from god's judgment it's the same with the gospel of jesus christ there's only one way of escape from the condemnation of sin and that's through the blood of jesus christ That way is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 reads, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God's word doesn't give us several options. It doesn't give us several ways to be saved. It gives us only one way. But the one way, Jesus Christ, is good enough for all sinners. 
First John 1, 7 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. And then in 1 John 1, 7, Because the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Lot's message was clear. And he made it very clear that salvation was getting out of Sodom. Now, is that hard to understand? No. Get out of town. A child could understand it. So many times people say, oh, you know, I can't understand the Bible and it's so hard to understand. Well, what you need to know, God's made it very simple for you to understand. Yeah, there are some things that are difficult, but what you need to know is that we're sinners. The Bible tells us very clearly that we are sinners and that we need to be saved. And the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. I mean, it doesn't get any more simple than that. Same with the, it's, that's the gospel message of salvation. You don't have to be a Bible scholar or a seminary student to figure it out. Acts 2.21 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever includes every living person today. If you miss out on salvation, no one can ever complain that God made it too hard to understand. No one can complain, well, God made, it, made the message too hard for me to understand. No, he didn't make the message hard. It's clear enough to understand. When we get into God's word, we'll find out what we need to know the most will be given to us in the simplest terms. Also in Lot's message, there was an urgency involved in verse 14 again notice it says get up and get out of this place lot didn't tell him hey guys you know start packing you know get your stuff together and stand by we'll be leaving soon we're gonna be leaving in a couple of days he made it very clear hey judgment is about to happen he says so you guys need to get out of here asap they may have had less than 12 hours to do as the Lord told them to do. The urgency of Lot's message is just like the gospel of Jesus Christ. The time for salvation is not tomorrow. It's now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 too. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation because yesterday you're not getting back and tomorrow ain't here yet. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. As long as you're breathing, that's, what, that's, that's the time to do it. Getting saved is always a matter of urgency. Because the greatest judgment of all is always just one breath away from eternity. It's imminent as death. No man knows the day or the hour when he might die. We have an example of the parable of the rich man who had some land. Jesus, he said his land grew and, and, and it grew very good crops of food. And the man thought to himself, now what am I going to do? I have, I have no place to keep all of my crops. Then he said, I know what I will do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build some bigger ones. I'll put all my wheat and all, all good things together in my new barns. Then I can say to myself, I have many good things in store. I've saved enough for many years. No, this is man's thinking. This is his idea. This is his doing. This is his wisdom. Then I can rest, I can eat, I can drink, and I can enjoy life. 
But God said to that man, foolish man, you fool. Tonight you're going to die. God forbid, hey, I could die tonight. All of us, some of us, who knows? The place where Lot was sent to proclaim the message of deliverance was noticed to his own family. Notice verse 12. Then the men, that is the angels, said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place. God sends us, the Bible gives us the Great Commission. God sends us to all places in the world to deliver his message. He said, go, for, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. But our first and most important mission, ship, mission field is our immediate family. That's where the job starts. In Acts chapter 1-8, when, when, when the, uh, the Holy Spirit came, the day of Pentecost, he said, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That was home. That's where they were. That's what, that was where their home was. He said, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. And then, and then all of Judea, which was the rest of Jerusalem. And then he said, and Samaria, which was further out, and to the ends of the earth. But it started at home. And over the years, Lot had failed miserably in getting his own family in the sheepfold. If he had gotten him in the sheepfold, Sodom wouldn't have been destroyed. And we learn that fact from Abraham's prayer about sparing the city if, they found, if God found only ten righteous men found in Sodom. God agreed to, that, to Abraham's prayer. Lord, you know, will you save Sodom if, I, if there's ten you know, righteous men? He said, sure, I will. But to no avail. Not even, not even Lot's own family. You know, think of it. If the families in the churches alone would only reach their immediate families, our churches would be huge. Think about our families and how many in our families aren't here. Don't go to church here or any church, but I'm talking about our local churches and, and worldwide. Our churches would be huge. Our churches would experience great and lasting growth. And I think failing to win our own families has hurt our churches more than failing to reach anybody else. Look at the mess, the, the mess that, that church families are in today. Mom and dad might be saved, but their children are poorly trained and often turned out wild and worldly. And many people complain that the church is losing its young people and because, because they should have new and more exciting programs. That's not the answer to the loss of young people today. And I've seen it in, in other churches, and I've seen it here. People, moms and dads, will bring their kids to the children's ministry, drop them off, go home, and then pick them up. Because it's the church's, they feel it's the church's responsibility to teach the kids about the Lord. Churches are losing their young people because the parents are not reaching the most immediate and important mission field of the church. And when our kids go out into the world, guess what? The world gets a hold of them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, To train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. I'm going to read it from the uh, easy-to-read version because it really lays it down in simple terms. God said, listen, people of all Israel. Uh, listen, people of Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Always remember these commands that I give you today and be sure to teach them to your children. He says, talk to them. Talk about these commandments when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads to help you remember my teachings. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Notice who that responsibility was given to. It was given to the parents. When you're sitting with them, when, you're, when you put them to bed, pray with them. You know, when they get up, when you're just sitting around the house, when you're walking on the road, whatever you're doing, pour out the word of God upon them. When Abraham had prayed earlier in the day about the destruction of Sodom, he prayed for only the righteous be delivered from the destruction. But the angels offer some unrighteous people the safe chance to be saved. Once again in verse 12, notice he asked the question. The angels asked, do you have any other relatives here in the city? Get them out of this place. The same offer of, escaping to, uh, the same offer of escape to the unrighteous shows the wonderful grace of God in salvation. And as the message here gave a chance for the unrighteous to be saved from Sodom's destruction, so does the gospel message in its grace, gives a chance for the unrighteous to be saved. And the way that Lot obeyed his commission, his duty, has to be the bright spot in his life in doing God's will. And verse 14 says, So Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, because the Lord's going to destroy this city. So Lot obeyed what the angels told him to do in a proper manner, First, we see he believed the angels. He didn't question what they were saying. He didn't laugh or argue about what they said. He immediately believed. And Peter tells us that Lot was oppressed from day to day by Sodom's evil in 2 Peter 2.8. So when he was told that judgment was coming, he didn't have to wonder why because he's been, he had been troubled. He had been oppressed every day from living in that city because of what was going on there. So when he was told judgment was coming, he didn't have to say, I wonder why. He knew why it was coming. He knew what this judgment was all about. So it was no problem for Lot to go and to tell his sons-in-law the message that God had. You see, faith is the key to obedience. And if we don't have faith, we are not going to be obedient. We'll be lacking in obedience. God said it, that should settle it right then and there. We'll see shortly that his sons-in-law didn't obey his warning because they didn't have faith. They were unbelievers. But because of faith, Lot acted a lot differently. Lot could say like the psalmist in Psalm 116.10, I believed, therefore I spoke. And because of Lot's faith, he went to his sons-in-law and he went to tell them that the judgment of God was coming upon Sodom. So Lot believed and then Lot promptly obeyed. 
As soon as Lot got the news, his mission was to tell his relatives, get out of the city because it's about to be destroyed. Lot didn't hesitate for a minute. He made a beeline for his family members to give them the news. His promptness is the only way to respond to God's orders. When he says go, we're to go. Not, well, Lord, I'll, you know, a couple hours or, you know, I'll, I'll do it later. No. Anything less than being prompt when God tells us to do something would be obedient, disobedience. Promptness, man, it is essential in doing God's will. It's essential in doing what God wants to be, do, wants to be done. If Lot would have waited until later in the day, he would have waited too long. And his chance to do his duty would have, would have passed him by. But Lot's promptness here in this situation, it didn't last very long. Because the next day his carnality took over and instead of getting out of the city as fast as he could, he lingered. There's a lot of Christians lingering these days. They can get all stirred up about serving God. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I want to serve God. I feel led to serve God. But somehow their flesh gets in the way and it causes their enthusiasm to just fall by the wayside. And then Lot obeyed his orders courageously. He believed God. He promptly obeyed God. And then he courageously obeyed God. Because to go into Sodom that night in order to get to the homes of his son-in-laws, that would take a lot of courage because of what he had experienced earlier. See, this is understandable, especially after what Lot experienced in his house with the two angels. When they wanted to bust down his door and come in and, and, and abuse sexually those two angels. So obviously it would take a lot of courage for Lot to leave his house, to make his way through the dark streets of Sodom at night, fearing that those men of Sodom might find him and sexually abuse him. These thoughts surely must have been going through Lot's head. But he still left his house and he went to the homes of his son-in-law as, the, as the, the heavenly angels ordered him to do. And Lot obeyed the Lord faithfully. A person's character will be recognized in how faithful the messenger is in delivering the message they're given. Now there are some of those people that have enthusiasm, they have charisma in speaking. But the message they give is corrupted. It's watered down. It's diminished. Lot wasn't like that when he obeyed his orders given by the angels. Lot was very faithful in speaking the truth. He told his sons-in-laws, the Lord will destroy this city. Again, this kind of message would not be popular. This message would not be well received in Sodom. But he delivered it anyway. In faithfulness. Now Lot, we know, as we read, may have had a lot of faults. But we have to give him credit here because he didn't change the message one little bit in order to make it more acceptable to those he was giving it to. He told them the whole truth. Look at verse, verse 14. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws and he said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. Notice what happened though. But his sons-in-law, you know, Seemed, it seemed to them he was joking. 
Now, why didn't his sons-in-law respond to Lot's message? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First, because of Lot's worldliness. A message loses a lot of its power when the messenger doesn't live up to what he claims. Now, we've said that here a million times. You know, we go out and we witness to our family, and our family sees how we live and, and how we talk, and they go, why should I accept Christ? If you're the example of a Christian, he says, why should I accept Christ? And that's what was happening with Lot here. You see, if we live in Sodom, this world is a type of Sodom, if we live in this world and live like the world, we're not going to have any power to lead the people to salvation. Lot's testimony didn't have any power. There was no validity because he lived for such a long time just like one of the people of Sodom without any distinct difference that would allow his message to be any good. When the testimony of your life does not match what you say, then what you say doesn't matter to anybody. If we're doing poorly convincing the world of God's message, then maybe we should check the way that we live. Maybe we should check to see if we're stumbling those people that we're talking to. Even with Lot's worldly living, we can't put down the message that he gave to his sons because it was everything God said he was to say. In other words, all the rejection of God's word is not because of the faults of the speaker. You may not like the speaker. You may not like the way he speaks or the way he teaches or his style. But if he's speaking the word of God, you cannot, get, you cannot find fault in the speaker. Because he's speaking God's truth. Now for sure, Lot was truly a messenger whose life did not support the message that he was giving. His sons-in-law chose, uh, chose their own life of hard-hearted sin, which helped to reject God's truth. Man, when you have a hard life, a hard heart of sin, you reject God's truth. And when it says the young men thought that he was only joking, now, that doesn't mean that, that it was the way that Lot gave the message. What it means is his sons-in-laws didn't really stop and think about the message. And he didn't think about why Lot was telling them this message. You see, it was their hardened unbelief that was their problem. So we can't automatically, we can't automatically put the blame on the faults of the messenger. And many times we do. Just because a church doesn't grow, it might even decrease in size. It doesn't mean that the church is dead. It doesn't mean that it's not faithful to God's word. It doesn't mean that the people don't have any compassion for souls and that the preacher has no love. Instead, it could very well be, and especially in our day, that the hardness of people's hearts is why the church experiences such poor response. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-4, through 4, Paul said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Are we living in those days today? You bet we are. What Paul described to Timothy here is exactly what we see today. So in closing... If we always blame the rejection of God's message on the failure of God's servants, a lot of faithful servants are going to be really discouraged and unfairly blamed. What about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet? Was he a lousy preacher? Was he unfaithful to God? Did he not know the word of God? What was wrong with with Jeremiah who didn't win one convert for 40 years and that's hard to take jeremiah was a mighty man of god but it wasn't jeremiah's fault it wasn't wasn't due to anything that jeremiah was lacking that no people came to to to, you know, to, to be a follower of god Many faithful servants of God in the past and present have often been viewed as insane. Jokesters, intoxicated, like on the day of Pentecost. What's this? If people say, well, these guys are drunk. They're weird. Maybe, but in a good way. Because we're not like the world, and because we don't do the things that the world does, they think we're weird. And the Bible says we're a peculiar people. What a compliment. Because that's coming from the Holy Spirit. We are a peculiar people because we don't live like them. We don't talk like them. We don't do like them. Hopefully. (laughs) They say we're lacking in compassion because, you know, many times we give a, a, a negative message. A message of judgment. But it's God's word. They say we're unspiritual. When we proclaim God's word. But the only thing that rejection says is that those who are rejecting God's message are so hardened by sin, they won't believe or respect the truth no matter how godly the messenger is. But you know, that, there's a caution to be mentioned here. Even though that's the case, we should not take preaching the gospel any less serious. We know, yeah, it's a hard time, it's hard days, it's a wicked time. But you know, we say, hey, why should I preach the gospel? Or why should I, you know, do it so enthusiastically and so, you know, try to win people to Christ? That is what we're called to do. Regardless, and especially because of the hard-heartedness of people. Because the Holy Spirit, yeah, we can't break through, but the Holy Spirit can. That's what we need to remember. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Father, we thank you so much again for your word. Father, help us. We need your help, Lord. Help us to be what we're called to be, Father. Help us to do what we're called to do. And that is to give your word, God, regardless of what the world wants to hear, regardless of how we're received. Father, you have given us the great commission to preach the word. And may it start in our own family, Lord. Our own family. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not the school system's responsibility. 
It's our responsibility, God. So, Lord, help us to understand that, God. Help us to, to take what you've, the responsibilities that you've given us, take them seriously, God. And not blame the world or the church or anybody else or anything else, God, for our kids who might be going astray. Deceived by the world, deceived by the education system of today, God. Your word says to train up the child in the way they should go, and they shall not depart. Now, that is not a 100% guarantee because they still have their own minds and they make their own decisions as they get older. But it means to give them a good, solid foundation so that when they do meet the world and the world comes after them, they have a solid foundation to, to judge things from. And so God, help us to take that responsibility seriously. Father, give us the power. Give us the enthusiasm. And Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. Father, bless my brothers and sisters as they go their way now and, and bless them through the week. And Lord, bring us back together Wednesday as we continue our studies in your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Wednesday we'll be back in Ezekiel and we'll be back in Ezekiel.